We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. From my standpoint, I wasn't a lock to go top five. I think Jalen coming out, he knew he was pretty much going to be a top five pick. Explosive athlete. No real concerns, you know, with him coming out besides the fact that some people thought he may be too smart for his own good, but it just sounds crazy. The real negotiations will start after that first contract or on the way towards that second contract where you really have to sit down and negotiate the numbers, figure out what the market says you're worth in. Based on the type of management you have, an agent may be necessary for that next deal. Everybody fast, everybody's strong, everybody doesn't have endurance, everybody doesn't have mental toughness, and everybody can't shoot when they're tired or think when they're tired. So I think those are the things I've worked on and, and kind of incorporated in my workouts, but it's all about the angles. Welcome to episode 19. That's right, number 19 of the Pull Up Pod. I'm CJ McCollum. Jordan Schultz will be joining us momentarily. We have a special guest, good friend of mine from the Boston Celtics. Uh, very, very good player who's, you know, had a, had a lot of experience this past season in the playoffs, producing, putting up big numbers, dunking on players, windmilling on fast breaks. Uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen, welcome to the Pull Up Pod. I appreciate you coming on, bro. I appreciate you guys for having me, man. Well, as I said before, you know, I DM'd you because you didn't respond to my text messages. And after after a lot of effort, <laughs> a lot of effort to, to get a hold of you, you know, you were very cooperative, you know, once we were able to get in contact with each other. And uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank goodness for social media. Social media has has its Amen. curses and its gifts. Hey, man, I'm, I'm real easy to find, man. I'm real easy to find. <laughs> Find me in the gym. Uh, I like that. I like that mentality and that attitude, man. And uh, I think we, I think we officially met in person a couple years ago um, during the finals. The Warriors were in the finals, and uh, you were the guy coming out of college that wasn't hiring an agent. And everyone was talking about how smart you were and how you were an intellectual. Yeah. And you were somebody I needed to know. And after initial conversations, I was like, man, this guy's like 19 years old and seems to have it all figured out. <laughs> so I, I commend you on, on your maturity, man, and mm -hmm. to be able to go through that process, uh, going to Cal Berkeley and, and kind of you know, carving your own path from an from a educational standpoint. I, I would like to see more guys yeah, I, I would like to see more guys in uh, in today. You know, like the the contracts are slotted. You know, it's not a lot for room for agents to really do something. And I mean, you can negotiate. You know, also like how much or how much up front, or you can negotiate. Uh, it, it's little stuff you can do, but for the most part, everything is already slotted. I would like to see more of the top guys kind of do that same thing because um, really, you know, you should keep your agency. Well, it's a, it's a synonym for power. You should always keep your power close to the best. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I think you're one of the the first players to do that, and I think a lot of players will continue to follow suit, realizing that the real negotiations will start after that first contract or on the way towards that second contract where you really have to sit down and negotiate the numbers, you know, figure out you know, exactly what you're worth, what the market says you're worth, and you know, based on the 
type of management you have, an agent may be necessary for that next deal. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Dan, um, this is Jordan. Um, I'm curious for you, what was that process like going into the draft and thinking, okay, I don't need to go the traditional route with an agent? Um, it was all about, you know, what I, I had to separate what I needed and what I wanted, you know. For me, you know, I didn't really need somebody to move my location. I didn't need somebody to give me $20,000. I didn't need somebody to, to tell me everything I needed to hear or to put me in some nice clothes, you know. Uh, I, what I needed was a place to work out, to get ready for my, my workouts. And um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and I had that at school, you know what I mean? So I didn't really, I needed a strategy in terms of how I was going to attack and and how I was going to pinpoint my brand and et cetera to help me get drafted to what I got drafted at. But other than that, I didn't really need all the stuff that other agents required or were offering. Was there any push pushback from from agents that maybe you had spoken with or even teams saying, what's the thought process here? Did you Did you feel that at all? Or was it maybe encouraged because it was breaking the mold? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of pushback. It was actually articles that came out. I remember um, one article in particular, the one that CJ was mentioning earlier, uh, an article came out saying that I was too smart, I was arrogant, and uh, that I thought I knew everything. And it was actually uh, a bad quality of mine that I knew so much about other different things or I was too smart that, that I should just be focusing on basketball. An article came out like that, and, and it was on ESPN. I can't remember the writer to this day, but if I hear his name, I know exactly who it is, but I still haven't said nothing about it to this day, but I remember when that article came out. So basically the article was insinuating that you should just shoot, dribble, and pass. Exactly. I shouldn't be focused on all this other stuff, and it's actually um, it's actually uh, making myself look bad or some shit. That's the type of world we live in today, though. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's un- unheard of for athletes to – to make educated decisions on on their own. Richard Sherman got criticized for negotiating his own deal, and some people say he lowballed himself or he didn't do a great job, and other people say that you know he did an awesome job and really knew the ins and outs of contracts and was able to secure himself a a favorable contract coming off of a, an Achilles injury. I agree. I mean, at the same time, I did the same thing. I did the same thing, kind of sort of, with my Adidas deal. I came in and uh, I sat down because I had a relationship with him already, and I negotiated to a certain to a certain extent, and then once I figured out that, that they weren't going to give me what I wanted or they weren't going to give me exactly what I planned on getting, I hired an agent and they got everything. Right, you brought in Aaron Goodwin and then that was the, the end of the negotiation with Adidas? Yeah. CJ, you never thought about that, going no agent, uh, coming into the draft? Uh, my situation was a little different. Um, I was coming off a broken foot. Right. Uh, I fractured my foot my senior year, and there was a lot of uncertainty as to where I would be drafted. I didn't. I didn't know if I was going to be a lottery pick. If I was going to be mid first round, um, there was a lot of uncertainty around where I was going to go in the draft, just based on how the lottery balls were going to go. You know what what type of you know trades were going to be made during the draft. And then from my standpoint, I wasn't a lock to go top five. I think Jalen coming out, he knew he was pretty much going to be a top five pick. And he was a he was a young player coming out after one year at Cal. He had a pretty dominant year, explosive athlete. No real concerns, you know, with him coming out besides the fact that some people thought he may be too smart for his own good, which I don't even know if that's a concern in itself. It just sounds crazy. But for me, it was more about 
passing the medical testing, you know, showing that I was actually healthy, showing that I could actually move and was recovered and fully healed from the injury and just needing someone to negotiate, you know, that, that aspect of things. We're talking about, you know, breaking down the numbers on, you know, how I performed the previous season and I just felt like I, I wasn't in a position to, to take certain risks just based on the fact that I was hurt and I was a senior, you know, who's coming out and, you know, being 21 years yeah. old sounds old, you know, based on the type of players you have coming out now, 19, 20 years old, when they, when they talk about a league full of upside, they, they said that I was an old player and being a four-year player is, is sometimes frowned upon, you know, when you come out. You talked about the importance of taking advantage of people around you in terms of knowledge, you know, learning things, you know, obviously you've surrounded yourself with a, a pretty good advisory group of people who are from different fields, diverse groups you've put together, uh, different types of summits, you know, during All-Star break these last couple of years and have really built a, a solid network. Um, what, what do you think has been the, the biggest adjustment or difference you've had, difference or change you've seen going from college to the NBA? Because you seem like you were really prepared, but now it seems like you, you're more strategic about what type of circles you're exposing yourself to and how you're approaching the tech world. It's a, it's a game of chess, man. That's, that's how I see it. Like, that's how I look at the world. You know, growing up, I, um, I was heavy in the, the chess, playing the game of chess and stuff. I com competed. Um, I never competed, like, nationally or anything, like, I feel like if I wanted to, I could have. But always, I see everything as a as a, sim as a parallel in that sense. That's why I always have that same type of mind frame, the strategic approach, and every piece and every move. I have to make it like with a purpose or, or make it count. Um, so that's how I try to carry myself. Jalen, what's the responsibility of of an athlete today um, to be, to as CJ said, don't just shut up and dribble to actually have an impact on younger generation. You know, we talked a lot about LeBron on this show and the I Promise School, but what's what's the impact of an athlete, especially someone like yourself who's really establishing himself as a young superstar in the NBA? It's, it's interesting because, like, even before I got to the NBA, I always wanted to change that dynamic. And ever since I've gotten here, it's changed tremendously. And uh, big salute to LeBron for what he just did with the Promise School, man. That's something that I always imagined myself doing, so I'm happy he beat me to it. But that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, so I have some education, and that's the field that I would have majored in, and, and that's where the, the future is. So for him to do that and, and, and secure a lot of these kids' futures by taking care of, you know, you know, resources are such important in our society. So by him taking care of a lot of those resources, it makes it so much easier for those kids in lower poverty areas to be successful, and that's what it's about. So I, big salute to LeBron James for that. However, but... For me, you know, uh, <clears throat> shut up, uh, like the shut up and dribble, everything has been a part of this generation has been changing. You know what I mean? It still has the kickback and the pushback from media, from fans, from front office or whoever for speaking out or having anything political or different to say. But in the same time, it's almost being, in, in the same time, it's almost being celebrated. You look now like you have, you know, athletes who are, um, you have athletes who are heavy investors, venture capitalists. Um, you have athletes who are rappers, Damian Lillard. You have athletes who are fashion designers, Russell Westbrook. You have athletes who are politicians, like Harrison Barnes. Like, there's so many different atmospheres that are being tapped into now. And 10, 20 years ago, <laughs> it wasn't even thought of. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. And you talked about how you, you played chess growing up and have always been a forward thinker. The NBA has 
it seems like we've, we've been ahead of the other sports in terms of how we deal with, you know, political stances, how we deal with social, uh, social injustices that may be happening across the, the United States and, and the world in general. And, you know, recently, Adam Silver and the NBA, we, we've agreed to a deal with MGM. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, basically mm. the possibilities of legalized gambling in the NBA? And how do you think the game is going to change moving forward from that standpoint with potentially getting a team in Vegas? And I'm not going to lie to you, that's huge. You know how big, like, the gambling industry is? It's a billion-dollar industry, you know what I mean? And by them legalizing, I think it only gets bigger. So by them bringing that to the NBA, it'll be curious. I'm curious to see, like, what what happens or et cetera because, you know <laughs> – when money gets involved, strange things start to happen. So um, I'm curious to see how things pan out. But, you know, that's, that's super interesting. I think it's dope for our league. It's bringing a lot more money. I think it should be included in the BRI for sure. Um, I'm not sure what other deals went on with NBA and MG. I'm sure it is, right, CJ? Yeah, I would imagine that it is. I, don't, I haven't seen the actual contract in terms of how they break it down. There haven't been any emails shared. Um, from the from the MBPA side, but I would imagine that's something we're going to have to discuss going forward because I think it was 25 million uh, with MGM, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was around 25 million for the initial deal, but going forward, I think this is just this just opens up the the floodgates for a lot of potential deals to come in. Obviously, the the advertising on jerseys is something that happened. The gambling, you know, within legalizing gambling in the NBA is is happening as we speak they just have to figure out how to monetize it how to separate uh, the money and figure out what makes sense for every party involved and obviously like you said before when money gets involved it becomes a very very interesting discussion and debate and uh, it's always hard to, to settle terms at times i'm curious for you guys what's the what is the modern day nba road trip like with gambling because there was a really interesting article that came out about Javaris Crittenton and Gilbert Arenas, specifically with Boure and how these games can escalate really quickly. The money escalates. <laughs> Obviously, ego gets in the way. CJ, and I'll start with you, Jalen. How are the Celtics, how do you guys approach that, and is that ever an issue? Uh, it hasn't been an issue since I've been here in the two years, but it, I definitely think it is an issue. I definitely think that, like, firsthand, I, w- I would say J.J. Hickson is uh, a player that's from Atlanta who's also right. – in jail now, you know what I mean, and and a lot of it is because of gambling problems, et cetera, and it just led to to where he's at now, and it started, you know, his rookie year, 19 year old kid, you know, playing Blu-ray on a plane, on some of the vets on the plane, twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars, and I feel like as a grown man, you're entitled to do whatever it is that you want to do, but at the same time, you have these kids that's entering this league that don't really know what it is that's going on how to necessarily account for their money, and they kind of just go in with the, with the say-so. So you have some situations where you, a Javaris Crittenden, also another person, another kid from Atlanta, you know what I mean, that's led down the wrong path, not because of, you know, the NBA's fault. Also, the kid has to take some ownership and, uh, of, uh, and stuff like that as well. But at the same time, like, for this to go on, on right in front of, like, the um, in front of the company of the NBA, I think, Somebody should definitely say something. So I read that article as well, and I definitely feel indifferent about it. Like, at the same time, as a man, you should have the freedom and availability to do what you want. But, like, when you have a 19-year-old kid on the, on the plane gambling with, with vets, you know what I mean? And then some of these vets, they just let the kid just gamble his whole first check away, and now the kid owns, owes money to da 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 It just gets out of hand. 
and I feel like it should be some type of restriction or policy, you know, to control it or to be it should be something in place that I mean it should be a little bit more handled handled a little bit more effectively. How about you, C? Yeah, for us, we have we have a fairly young team and a lot of people who are fiscally responsible. Uh I like I don't like to use the word cheap, but uh, we have a lot of frugal players on on our team. I'll just put it like that. So there's not a lot of gambling that takes place on our planes because guys don't really like spending money. And uh, I've I've been around players and, and vets who, who enjoy gambling. I've seen lots of money get lost on those tables. I've seen arguments, things that happen. You know, when you're playing pickup, it's the same thing. Everybody's competitive. So whether you're playing Monopoly, Goldfish, or Blu-ray, or Blackjack, it gets competitive. And when you have a, a lot of egos in one area where guys are making a lot of money, it's like a never-ending thing at times. But I agree with Jalen, and we all grown. You know, you got to be responsible enough to step away from the table uh, if you're losing or if you don't have it or if you're already 20, 30, 40, 50, 50K in debt, it doesn't really make sense for you to double up on the pot or, or risk, you know, losing two cars on a, on a west to east coast trip or a east to west coast flight where five and a half hours of gambling is a lot. And, you know, once the plane's about to land, the stakes rise and, you know, it can be an interesting situation or scenario to where you land in the city and there's a lot of there's a lot of anger, you know, on certain sides of the plane. But I think that everybody has to govern themselves. You know, we all make X amount of dollars. You you have to stay in your financial lane is one of the things I've learned as a rookie. You know, being on a rookie deal and having guys who make, you know, twenty plus million a year, you can't live like them. You can't buy, you know, those type of cars early on. You can't be flying private everywhere. Uh, you can't be going on crazy shopping sprees and and doing those things as a rookie just because your OGs and your vets are doing it. You got to kind of stay in your lane, follow your own flow, and figure out your own lifestyle. And I think a lot of times you come in at 18 or 19, you never had money before, and you're around a, a, a lot of 30-year-olds who have 20 M's in the bank. They're going to be living a lot, a lot different than you. Jalen, is that the responsibility of the team then to actually govern it? Or is it the veterans who are essentially encouraging or allowing or enabling, if you will, the young guys to play? Like, I agree with CJ when he says you have to govern yourself. My thing is, like, sometimes these kids are coming into the league 18, 19 years old, and they don't know any better. <laughs> you know, they're trying to, to keep up with a lifestyle. Like, when I got into the league, to be, like, I had a, a financial literacy just by, you know, being in the, the family and going to college and taking classes and stuff, you know, but... Everybody doesn't have that same leisure. You know, some kids, they're coming into the league, they, they, somebody's walking their hand through everything. They're just doing as everybody else does. They're trying to blend in. You know, so you see some of these actions take place, and you see people, you know, just doing as the vets do, and they can end up losing a lot of money very quickly. So I don't know if the responsibility, I think it's a little bit of both. I think we all have to govern ourselves, like CJ says, but at the same time, you know, I think it should be at least a little bit more restrictions in terms of, like, what you allow on the company plane or what you allow because it doesn't result in anything good for any party. Like, if you want to go gamble, it's a casino when we land. Right. Or, or go to the hotel room when you land. But you know, as, as far as on a plane and stuff like that, I mean, I think they can do a little bit better job. CJ, you said the, the actual stakes rise as the plane gets closer to landing because you're saying guys are just trying to double up or trying to get all their money back. 
Well, it depends on what game you're playing. I don't really gamble. I play blackjack in the casino. I shoot craps. I'm more of a back backyard gambler, so I'll gamble in the hotel room or I'll gamble with the homies, and depending on what's happening. But on the planes, I've heard too many right. stories about the amounts of money lost at those tables, and I wanted nothing to do with it. And I'm already frugal as it is. I don't like to spend money. You know, I like to invest as much as possible. I like to think about the future for when, when C.J. Jr. is running around um, and, I, and the tuition is continuing to rise at unbelievable rates that I'm able to, you know, sleep well at night knowing that I didn't blow money, I didn't blow car money on a on a plane ride, I didn't blow tuition money or um, whatever the case may be on a plane ride. So that's kind of how I've, how I've always lived, but I think it's it's interesting. I've watched a lot of card games and what I've noticed from afar is that the stakes rise when the plane's about to land. I don't know why that happens. I don't really know a lot about the games because I didn't want to know about it because as a competitor, I might have stepped to the table. So I try to stay away, but I have noticed that the pot rises when you're about to land, and that's when it gets interesting. And I enjoy watching because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch and sleep well right afterwards knowing that I didn't <laughs> lose any money. That's fair. Absolutely. You said that you like to be a forward thinker. You, you live in the gym. You didn't really need much you know, coming out of college. You just needed a place to work out at. You've been traveling the world. You've been in Dubai. Last summer I seen you in Africa. You were all over Europe. Um, what, what has been the the best part about this summer from a travel standpoint, um, I'm always looking to add new vacation destinations to my lifestyle. So what has been the best place you've gone to? And then let's just discuss a little bit about what you've been working on, what you've been trying to improve on heading into next season. Man, like, I love traveling. So, like, we work hard, but at the same time, like, we we humans too. Our body needs to, to take a break. You know, our body needs to... to um, kind of come down off that high from that long season that we perform in. So um, when when I do go somewhere, I'm still working out. That's the thing. If I don't post it on social media, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But if, nowadays, if you're not snapping, it ain't right. happening. If, you, if right? you don't post it in the gram, you're not working yeah, out. Yeah, you're yeah. only partying, traveling, going exactly. to fashion shows. That's all you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> all right, that's it. But I think my favorite place that I've ever been to and I just went and I just got back from was Paris. And Man, it's a smooth, elegant, you know, dope city. It was my first time going um, this past summer for Fashion Week, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Like, the wine was fantastic. And the scenery was beautiful. The architecture was dope. Like, everything about Paris was just my vibe, 100%. And I've been to a lot of different places, you know. Uh, I just got back from Indonesia uh, three or four days ago. Long flight. But, but um, Indonesia was fantastic, too, and the fans really uh, accepted me. I think the last player that they had go all the way to Indonesia was um, Nate Robinson in like 2012 or something like that. So when I went over there, they treated me like I was Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> like they were so happy. I saw Jalen too. You were you were doing some martial arts as well. Yeah, man. So I'm big into that type of stuff. I grew up watching all the Japanese, Chinese um Fighter movies, uh, Into the Dragon, Bruce Lee, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, whoever you want to name it. I used to grow up watching all of that type of stuff. Kumitao, Bloodsport, everything. Like, a lot of my influence is heavily off of, like, Japanese, Asian, Asian culture. So, um, like, going over there, it was only right to, you know, to tap in. How about, CJ, are you a martial arts guy? Not really. Um, <laughs> I, I did karate growing up, so... <laughs> Most of my childhood, I was in karate. 
as as my mom says, Man, she wanted us to, no she karate. wanted to make sure we knew how to defend ourselves <laughs> at an early age. So we took karate, learned how to kick. I was kickboxing <laughs> and and doing all all types Man, of stuff yeah. at a young age. So technically, these hands and feet were lethal at a young age. So it was it was unfair advantage for me when I got into fights. <laughs> Man, I've seen I've seen them pictures. I've seen the pictures hey, online I, I said from you I, about five, ten years ago. Man, you were, you needed all the I got, karate hey, you could I, get. I, I faced my fair share of wins and losses, but I'm telling you, every time I lost, the, the fight was never over. The next time I seen you, <laughs> we was fighting again. That's just <laughs> that's just how it was. <laughs> you know what it's like where you're from. Hey, the, the fight's not over until I win, so every time I see you, we're fighting until I get this win. That's so, a fact. I was very small growing up, and I had a big mouth, which was a problem in my neighborhood because, you know, I'm small. I talk a lot. I'm starting fights. And I literally, I've seen my brother roundhouse kick somebody in the face before when we was younger. <laughs> I swear, I kid you not. What? The karate paid off. I've watched CJ, him roundhouse CJ's an instigator. CJ. Yeah, I, I wasn't the best. CJ's an instigator. I, I, I peeped that when we were in South Africa. <laughs> CJ loves to get something started, you know, then sit back and then watch. You know what hey, I mean? CJ, you just poke. Like that's CJ. That he, he loves to get something Hey, stuff. man, I enjoy entertainment. Man, I enjoy people arguing. I enjoy to see a great debate. <laughs> I like to stir the pot at times. It makes life funner. Obviously, I know I know my, you're, you're I know neighbor, my boundaries, and I've matured a lot over the years. And, don't promote fighting by any means. However, I think it's important that you know how to defend yourself at all times. As as YG would say, you got to stay dangerous. I, I got one thing. One thing for you. Speaking of, you know, poking, maybe poking the bear. CJ, I don't know if yours has come out, but Jalen's NBA 2K rating was very strong. 84. CJ, what should <laughs> yours be? And Jalen, were you happy with the 84? Honestly, when I was younger, I really cared about that stuff. Like the rating and where I was at and what I was ranked and what people thought about me. Now I'm at the point where I do what I do. I work hard. I put my time in the gym every day. Some people gonna like your game. Some people gonna hate your game. You can't really can't really get caught up in that stuff. I know that on the first and the fifteenth, I get my worth. I get what I deserve. I get I get what I blood, sweat, and tears. What I put into this game is what I get in return on the first and the fifteenth. So those ratings and what people put out about top 10 is, top five that, it's not affecting how I sleep at night. The, the threat count is high. You know, it's, it was funny to me, like soon as I guess the 2K ratings, I don't even play 2K, I play FIFA. But as soon as the 2K ratings came out, this man Kyrie <laughs> called me. <laughs> and this man is gonna ask me how I felt about my rating. I was like, Kyrie, <laughs> I do not give up about no 2K rating. And he's asking me, like, bro, he's like, bro, they played you, bro, they played you. <laughs> he's more, he's that's Kyrie though. Like, he's more like entertained by it than I than I was. But yeah, for me, I don't even feel I don't even feel comfortable that somebody's even able to like rape me. I don't even know how I feel about that in the first place. But in the sense, I don't, I don't. It's a video game. I'm not losing no sleep, like CJ said, and um, I could definitely care less in in, in rankings. You know, it, it's. It's it's all good and it sounds it's cool to the fans get into it, but when it comes down to it on the court, I don't care if CJ's a ninety two, like you still gotta guard <laughs> me. Like you, you No, know, those are super super facts. I was just gonna say really quick with Jalen, he if he plays FIFA, who's his squad? Because I 
I think I'm I'm pretty damn good at FIFA. I know CJ thinks he can play a little bit. When you're nice, you just do randoms, and then you just pick a you do randoms. I do I do randoms like I pick I tell them to pick a, a province either North America or uh, South America or and I just pick a club team from whatever those promises is, and I beat you with whoever. You, I'll let you. <laughs> That's how nice he is. He said he'll let you pick your team. When I when I went on Barstool's podcast, I talked about how when we play 2K, we do three randoms. And you do the first random, if you don't like it, you do the second random. And a lot of times, you don't like the first and the second. You have to live with whoever the third random is. And uh, we played a game basically where it was like he would say a team, yeah. and I would say if I would <laughs> if I would want another random or not. And it was funny because there were certain teams that, <laughs> you know, you get them on 2K, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to play with this roster. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I had to share it. But you talked about Kyrie. You guys had a very, very good season last year. I think Kyrie played 50-plus 50, 50 games and unfortunately wasn't able to play in the playoffs. There's a lot of whispers about you guys being the face of the Eastern Conference going forward. Obviously, the Sixers are good. The Toronto Raptors are good. There's a lot of uh, depth in the Eastern Conference. But with LeBron moving to the, moving to the Western Conference, um, do you guys feel like you're getting to the finals this upcoming season? And what type of rotation do you think uh coach is going to put in place he's got a lot to work with at the wing position he's got very good guards you guys have some flexible forwards who can who can guard one through five how how do you think the the roster or the rotation is going to f- unfold this season and then do you think you guys are getting to the finals oh we're getting we're getting to the finals no no question about it but i, I hate how everybody's like oh lebron's gone and he's i know he did have a stronghold on the East for the last seven years, but he barely got up out of there this year. And our mindset was like, man, he's not beating us. He's not beating us again. And that's what our mindset was. Like we had a bunch of young guys who could really play, and we didn't back down from nobody, you know. And a lot of teams did, you know. A lot of teams got caught up into this and caught up into that, and we just came out and played basketball, and that's what we do. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we are the favorite in the East or we're predicted to win ten games in the East. You got to come out and play simple it's like a 2k rating nobody cares but at the same time you know expectation levels are there and we have expectation levels for ourselves so it's important for us to stay grounded you can just continue to play ball continue to play the way we played this past season sharing the ball on everybody to get off and everything to take care of itself like we got a lot of we got a lot of we got a lot a lot of talent on this team and we got some real good mindsets and it's a pleasure playing with them all but we have to be on one one page if we want to be successful. How competitive do you think practices will be this season with understanding that only five people can be on the court at once and how, how that training camp goes will determine literally who's playing 35 minutes and who's playing 26? Very competitive. I expect it to be super competitive. At the same time, we all get along so well, we still like are very competitive in a sense. You know what I mean? So it'll be fun to see what training camp, you know, it's, it's guys that are more competitive than others and it's guys that love playing one-on-one against each other and there's guys that you know love talking trash to each other but at the same time it's still we all family in a, in a sense like we all get along very well and it was so different from my first year because we was cool my first year but it's like a whole nother level to now like we all like really get along so like i can't wait for training camp i got i got people checked off i'm ready to get out. <laughs> do you want to uh disclose those names I mean, everybody, you know what I mean? We all competitive. We all going to play ones. I already know it. We already talking about it. We all going to get after each other. But, you know, we're not going to beat up on each other too much because we, 
we're not competing against each other. We're competing against y'all. So we're going to save it. We're going to save it for when we got the C.J. McCollum matchups and uh, et cetera matchups, and we're going to come after y'all. <laughs> there you go, C.J. I like the mentality. I hope you guys beat up on each other in practice, wear each other down, and are exhausted. Uh, when, we, when we make that trip from the Pacific Northwest to Boston, I hope you guys are worn out from all those one-on-one -on -one games and competitive practices. Nah, we'll be all right. Jordan, I think he he has a he's a very popular cousin. He has a very popular cousin. I'll let you answer ask your question, and then I'll have to ask him about his uh, his popular cousin. Yeah, well, I'm just curious for you, um, Jalen, with with AJ Boye, and and what's your guys' relationship, um, and then also just specifically taking it a little bit further how how important you know or how significant has it been for the nfl um in terms of their health concerns concussion the fact that they haven't to cj's point earlier they haven't been able to adjust to maybe their personnel and their players as well as the nba has uh, relating to fans etc and so for you are you a football fan and do you worry about uh the health of of players in that sport like I said, uh, um, like CJ said, actually, the NFL and NBA are in two different places in terms of the union, in terms of the league, in terms of everything. So it's hard to, to necessarily compare the two. But uh, I'll say this, like, it's, it's, a, it's a different league, you know. It's a different expectation. You have a lot of players who money isn't guaranteed because, you know, their health isn't guaranteed. It's a lot of players that get hurt very fast and careers end very quickly. So I think people take that into account, but people also forget that as well. In the same time, in the same sense, you know, I think as a union, in, in terms of like political stances and 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 movements and protests, I think the NFL is a lot more strict than the NBA is, and and you can you saw that in the protests with Colin Kaepernick and and things like that, and seeing what Roger Goodell his reaction was, and and and, and some of it was like shocking because like. I know they couldn't do that if it was NBA. For sure couldn't. You know how they said if anybody takes a knee, they'll be suspended for a game or, or or they'll lose their contract or whatever the case may be. Like, for them to put that type of force into into their actions, it, it just wasn't a, a good look. But the NFL and the NBA are two different places. Yeah, it's 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 sad to see, honestly, from the outside looking in, seeing the, the contract structure, the them not being allowed to wear certain colored spikes, even if it's breast cancer awareness. There's a lot of different rules that they have in place that, quite frankly, I just don't agree with. But uh, that's that's the way life goes, I suppose. You said you were into karate, martial arts, things of that nature. So are you a fan of meditation and just kind of finding, you know, your own time? You travel a lot. I like to travel a lot. And sometimes I realize the... The life we live, we're constantly on our phone, constantly on Twitter, reading articles, reading books, traveling, trying to entertain family, trying to not lose relationships that you've built over these 21 and 26 years. How do you find time to yourself, to Jalen Brown, outside of hooping, lifting weights, or playing the piano or chess? That, that's what meditation is. That, that's what it was for me at first, just finding that time. Just finding 10, day, 10 minutes or 15 minutes and, and just having it for myself, just to be able to get away from everybody and to be able to uh, just have my own thoughts to myself, like just 10, that's where my meditation started, you know, just being able to just debrief from everything, like let go of all the stress, let go of everything that happened today, let go of everything that's going to happen tomorrow, 
and just take 10 or 15 minutes to just breathe. And that's where it started, and I built it from there. But I think for people who are looking to get into that, I think that's a great place to just start, just finding 10 or 15 minutes a day just for yourself. You know, a lot of times we we move in 100 miles per hour uh, throughout the day, and we got a lot of stuff going on. Just finding a 10-minute window, just if it's in your office, if it's in your room, if it's anywhere, you know what I mean? Just finding that and taking that time to just breathe. And and it made a big difference in my life. Yeah, meditation has been huge for me. I started it in college, actually, when I was doing hot yoga, just being able to find that, that time to myself where I could be mindful of my surroundings, mindful of what's going on. Uh, around my my life whether that be my thoughts whether that be basketball you know what i need to do that day just being able to focus on my breathing and try to cancel out some of the worries is is crucial and i think it helps in the game you know being able to make big plays you, you've hit big shots in the playoffs you've dunked on guys and being able to maintain composure understanding that it's a long game a lot of things are going to happen you know, ups and downs, the roller coaster rides, and being able to keep that heart rate low is how you, one, recover faster, and two, you know, stay poised in high-pressure situations. So I always always think it's interesting, you know, just seeing how different players and, and people approach meditation. And you talked about writing a book on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. Is the book almost done, and what is the book going to be about? No, I've actually just started the process. I'm actually brainstorming about... So when I got back from my travels or whatever you want to call it. I was just so inspired, man. I was just so inspired by, you know, seeing different parts of the world, you know, seeing different people, different cultures, different people's crafts, and seeing it. For me, I just wrote so much stuff down, like a little personal journal, and I was like, man, uh, the first thing that came to me was like, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a write a book. I'm going to just, I got so much stuff written down just by, you know, just going different places and writing down my ideas and thoughts. I was like, and I, I wanna, I really wanna do that. I really wanna leave a trail. I really want somebody to to be able to to um, be able to find my thoughts, you know. So, and it be out there for the world to see. So, um, I'm brainstorming that process. You actually can give me some recommendations, CJ, right here. To be the perfect place, anybody who's tuning in can can reach out to me on Twitter, or Instagram, and give me some some recommendations because I'm figuring out what I want to write about now. I have some things in in mind that I'm thinking about, but anybody that's willing to to reach out, I'm willing to take any ideas or suggestions. Yeah, I think that's smart, man. I, I've also discussed my agency on writing a book. I was just trying to figure out the timing of when I would do it. So when I seen that, I was inspired. I was like, that's what's up, man. You, you're really doing well for yourself, taking advantage of the platform, taking advantage of the resources around you. And sure. as the saying goes, living your best life. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Live your best life. Yeah. <laughs> Work hard, travel, live your best life, and just be unbothered by all the things that are going on around us because there's a lot of foolery and buffoonery uh, happening around us. That's an abundance. You're a vegan, is that correct? You're a vegetarian now? Incorrect. Vegetarian. Oh, my bad. Vegan, vegetarian. You're a vegetarian. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't like to put titles <laughs> on it, but, yeah, I've been a vegetarian for about two years. How, how is that process going for you, and what made you get into that first it was just a challenge you know what i mean it was just like a dare like let's see right. if you can do it and i was like i got it so i tried it <laughs> and it was just like a, a challenge for like a week and i did it and then like i started feeling the difference you know i could start feeling lighter i started feeling you know just a little bit you know more energy you know it was just all around and just felt like a, a, a difference 
you know, my, my thoughts were a little bit clearer. I felt a little bit lighter on my feet. I could jump a little higher, run a little faster. had a little bit more energy. I was like, I, I kind of like this. So I just kept with it. And there's been times where, you know, I've gone six months without eating any, any type of fish, poultry, meat, beef, anything. You know what I mean? Any type of... Then there's been times in the year I've gone... I had to get some, I'm in Atlanta, I had to get some chicken wings, you know what I mean? That's what they know for. I had to get me some chicken wings. So at the same time, you know, I have a very strict diet, but, you know, uh, if, I have a, if I have a crave it or something like that, that's why I like to put titles on it because if I want some wings, I'm going to give me a wing or two, man. <laughs> no, I can respect it, man. I, re- I respect it. I've seen Dame go through bouts of, of vegan uh, trials and tribu- tribulations, whether that be you know, figuring out what he's going to eat on the road, trying to find the right food, and then the temptation of chicken wings and things we love from our child uh, from our childhood, which makes, <laughs> you know, I say, I'll say I'm not going to eat fried foods. And then I see something on TV or I pass a, a Popeye's, and I'm thinking, man, I got to tell Chef I need some fried chicken tonight. And so we all go... He's like, I'll be lying to you if I said I didn't do that. No, I appreciate the honesty, man. And before I let you go, going into your one, two, this will be your third season. I think you averaged 14 and five last year. I got to get in mm-hmm. about those free throws, man. Um, you got to shoot better from the free throw line. You can't, you can't shoot. That's what I'm working on right now. You can't shoot man. 39% from three in 60s from the line. You're way too good of a shooter. So I got to get in about that. But what, what, what can we expect to see from you? This upcoming sure. season, I, I know you got something in the works. I know you're working on your game, and even when you're not posting. I know, <laughs> I know you in your bag working on your, working on your uh, your goods. What can we expect to see from you this upcoming season? One thing, just like what you number one is what you said. That's where the money's at the free throw line, increasing your um, increasing your your score total without taking more shots, and that's making your free throws. And I got to the line at a pretty good rate. I just got to make sure. I lock in, take a deep breath in, and, and take the pressure off and just knock down the easy shot. And I've been working and concentrating. Everything has been centered around that because I feel like once I make that improvement, like you'll see another big jump in from year two to year three. And also ball handling. Being able to be a playmaker, being able to handle the ball, um, you know, don't have to rely on a guy to, to kick it to you in the corner. Be the one that could dribble it up yourself and create the office to create for somebody else. So just overall, just getting better and just becoming a better basketball player in, in total. And I think uh, you guys will see that this year. Yeah, CJ, you know, if you're going to get on Jalen about the free throws, we need to get on you about your free throw attempts. I was about to get on myself at the end. I was going to say, <laughs> I got on you about your free throw percentage. Uh, remind you, I shot 67% my rookie year, by the way, on limited attempts. But I don't get to the free throw line nearly enough. I, I cost myself... <clears throat> points per possession, efficiency, higher free throw, higher field goal percentage by not getting to the line. I avoid contact at times. I watch the film and I'd be shaking my head like, what am I doing? Why, why did I not just jump into him? So that's, that's the next step in my progression besides defending at a high level, getting better at angles. The game is all about angles. It's not about how fast or strong you are. It's the angles now. And that's what you kind of learn as you go from year to year. Everybody fast. Everybody's strong. Everybody doesn't have endurance. Everybody doesn't have mental toughness. And everybody can't shoot when they're tired or think when they're tired. So I think those are the things I've worked on and, and kind of incorporated in my workouts. But it's all about the angles. 
finding the angles on defense, finding the angles on offense, and then being able to get to that free throw line like Jimmy Butler. Because that, that man lives at the free throw line. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. He gets fouled often. Him, Lou Will, James, them boys live at the line. and It makes the game so much easier when you can get six uncontested shots to start the game. Exactly. But, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure I'll be running into you soon in one of these cities uh, during your travel. Wish you nothing but the best of luck this season against everybody but us. In fact, I hope you play well against us. I just hope you lose. (laughs) (laughs) Have a healthy season, man. Tell your moms and everybody I said what's up, too. I appreciate you, my man. Thank you, Jalen. It's been a while since we discussed what we've been drinking um, offline, whether that be during dinner or celebration. And I think it's only right that I discuss some wine that I had in China. I had the Chateau Bushiven. <laughs> Let me say this again. The Chateau, <laughs> the Chateau Bichevel, uh in China during my China tour. It's a red wine from St. Julian, France. It's very, very good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's among the top 4% of all wines in the world, and Decanter gave it 88 points. It honestly went well with everything we had, whether that be the lamb, the steak, the pulled pork, the Thai noodles, the fried rice, the dumplings. I thought it went well with everything, but then again, I'm not a, a wine connoisseur. I'm just a guy who's you know, experimenting with, with different types of bottles and trying to figure out what he likes most. But the average price on Bovino is $109.99. But for those of you that don't want to spend $100, don't worry. I also had the Echo de Lynch Bajez Pouliac, or however you say it, from Pouliac, from, from Pouliac, France. And it's 56 bucks and 47 cents, and it's among the top 5% of wines in the world. And I really, really enjoyed it. That's terrific. I, you know what? I've had some good Pinot, but because I was in Italy, uh, there was one bottle that stood out. That stood out. It was a Nebbiolo from 2013. And... Forgive me for my pronunciation, but it was a Masolino Barolo Parafada Barolo. So I guess it was a Barolo from the Nebbiolo (laughs) grape. (laughs) And it was great. And I think it was under $65. So it was it was expensive, but it was it was really nice. And uh, like you, CJ, I'm not a wine connoisseur per se, but I'm enjoying learning about the different regions of the world. I appreciate that, man. You have to text me that as well. I will add it to my uh, Vivino vault, put it on my purchases list, add it to the cart, and make it happen. Done deal. Awesome. And once again, we want to thank Jalen Brown for coming on, spending some time with us. Uh, He was a trooper, man. His signal wasn't working the best, and he found a landline for us within seven minutes. You talk about dedication, man. He's a guy who gets things done, very bright. Is working on a book. We'll need ideas, so feel free to, to reach out to Jalen and let him know what he should write about. And for those of you who want to listen to the podcast faithfully every week, as you should, you can catch us anywhere. Anywhere you get your pods and also via radio.com. You can get their app or head to app.radio.com backslash CJ for your weekly dose of pull-up. You can follow me at CJ McCullum. Twitter at 3J McCollum on Instagram at CJM313 on Snap. And you can follow Jordan at Schultz underscore report on Twitter and Instagram. Jordan Schultz on Facebook. 
And in honor of Kevin Durant, I think they may be the last time I tell you where you can follow me at. You will have to go through the other 19 podcasts <laughs> to find my social media. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up. Boom.